Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. When you're separating or divorcing your ex, probably the main concern running through your head is the children. What's going to happen to them? What does the court say about them? And what really is the best thing to do for them? And while we're not experts in child psychology and what's best for the children in their everyday life, mum here is an expert in family law and is going to talk to you today about the best interests of the children and what the family court thinks so that you, moving forward, can feel confident confident and comfortable with the situation. Welcome, mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. So it's called Best Interests of the Children, Mum. Mm. And I would say our listener, if they're listening to this episode, obviously has children. Mm. And they're, I always imagine them sitting on the couch, but a lot of them are probably driving the kids to school Mm -hmm. and freaking out inside, going, what's going to happen? Who's going to do this? And who's going to do that? And Mm. worse than that is just apart from, from the worry, the other worry is, What's the court going to do? What if my ex takes me to court? What's the legal rules when it comes to children and splitting up? Yeah. And and also, too, you know, best interests of the children, you would think, is what you think is best for your kids. And it's very hard to accept that someone else might have a different view of what's best for your kids. So, yeah, Mm. we feel your pain Mm. and we thought today we might try and... Alleviate some of it. Alleviate some of it. Give you some ideas. Yeah. And, and give you an understanding of how the court thinks about best interests of the children, yep. which, which really does give you good guidance moving through your divorce negotiations for parenting as well, or your arguments, I guess, because if you know what the court looks for and what the Family Law Act says, then your arguments are stronger. You can't, if you're arguing wanting something more time with the child than the other parent and your argument has nothing to do with what the legislation says or what the Family Law Act says, then you're probably less likely to get that argument, yeah? Well, that's right, because mm. the judges have to follow the legislation. Mm. So you need to present your evidence in line with the legislation, mm. which is the Family Law Act, Section 60. And it's it's that aligning what you want with the Act that's going to get you somewhere, okay. get you somewhere. With right, let's, let's get right into the okay. beginning. I always like to ask the what. <laughs> so what is best interest of the children? Because like you've just said, we all think we know, but... Yeah. But a lot of people are quite surprised about the, what is the best interest of the children in the court. In the court, that's right. I, mm. I think it's quite insulting in a way mm. to suggest someone else knows better than you. Yeah. However, when there's a dispute between the parent, you're delegating that responsibility to a third person mm. and they're going to follow the act. So the best interests of the children, first of all, they are the it, the court says it's the paramount consideration. So the court is required to think of the best interests of the children at every turn and every order they make. But then the, the Family Law Act goes on and tells the judges how to do that okay. and what they can look at. So presently, until the law changes, uh, there are a Section 60CC talks about the primary interests or the primary considerations, that's the main things, and then some other things the court looks at. Okay. Right? And so the main things the court looks at is that the benefit of the child are having a meaningful relationship with Mm -hmm. both parents. So Mm -hmm. they're looking at arrangements where the child can spend time with both parents. But the second primary consideration is to say protect the child from physical, emotional and psychological harm. Those are the kind of competing 
proposals, the save them from harm and the having time with both parents. And I think it's fair to say a lot of family law cases, if not most of them, are about the the competing, those tensions between those two things. Yes, we agree the child should spend time with this parent, but we don't think they're safe psychologically, emotionally, or physically with this parent. Okay, so let's just back that up. We've gone mm. a little bit too fast there. But to start with, you only are looking at the law technically if you go to court. Yep. That's because right. it's up to you and your ex, if you're amicable enough, to come up with what you think is best for your kids. Mm. And as long as it's okay and the court says, yep, that's okay, then you can have a parenting plan or a consent order. You don't have to go to court. But if you do go to court, then it is up to the judge to think about these things. And a very common myth, I think, and a lot of people are shocked by this, they assume, well, I've got a domestic violence order. That means the judge isn't going to make the children go to their house. And that is a myth, isn't it? Yes, you'd think that would be natural. Mm. Um, But the court has over the years developed this idea that just because a person is violent to another person doesn't mean they'll be violent to the kids. Right. And there are lots of people who are critical of that point of view. Right. But we have a very strong um, indication from the in the legislation, in the objects of the Act, mm. the objects of this section, that the children have a right to be loved and cared for by both parents. So, so the court will bend over backwards to enable the children to see both parents if they can do it safely. Mm. So, you know, when I talked about those primary considerations, those first things they've got to look at, yeah. time with each parent and keeping them safe from emotional, psychological and physical harm. They The, the law was amended not long ago to add a third thing there, and it just says if there's a tension between one and two, in other words, if it's equally balanced between they need to have a relationship with their parent but that we've got to keep them safe, um, and sometimes they can be both on balance uh, as strong an argument as each other, then the court is required to give more weight to keeping the children safe and less to sending them for the, you know, with the other parent. Mm. So it, it's it's, it's, a, it's something everybody should prepare for because I know in our webinars mm. we get a lot of people saying, does it does a domestic violence order have any sway on uh, the mm. children's matters? And it does it, a little, but it's not a lay down is there, and only if it's been a litigated uh, DVO or uh, intervention order where you've actually had a trial and the judge has made an order. Mm. So if your ex has agreed to one mm. without any admissions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same weight. Right. So so don't despair, though. The court doesn't just look at those two things. Okay. So what okay. else does the court look at when it comes to deciding the best interest yeah. of the kids? So they say, look, the additional considerations are any views expressed by the kids, and, and that means do they say to a report writer where they want to be? All right, let's Uh-oh, stop there. <laughs> I've gone and said a word that wasn't so, dealt no, with. Just ra- ra- rack that up. We get yeah. a lot of questions about this too. Mm. Number one, what's a family report writer? Yep. Okay, it's someone, it's usually a social worker or psychologist who meets with the whole family, often takes a whole day, mm-hmm. and inter- watches interactions between the kids and the parents, interviews the parents, talks to the kids, and then writes a report about what they've seen and what they've discovered and writes some recommendations. Right. And they're very cogent and very powerful. The recommendations for a family report writer are often really heavily relied on by a judge mm. because, after all, the judge doesn't know you too from, from a bar of soap yeah. and uh, they haven't met your kids ever. And so the recommendations in a family report might be, be like, I recommend the mother has 
50% of the time yeah. and the father has 50% of the time and they go to this yes. and they do that. Or it might be I recommend that um, the the father has sole parental responsibility and or, or it might be I recommend that the kids spend four nights a week with one parent and, you know, four nights a week and three nights with another. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a recommendation by the family report writer and a lot of other questions we get asked is, how old does the child have to be to get their views considered in the court? Okay. So it depends. The court hedges its bets. Hedges its bets. It said the views of the child will be taken into account mm-hmm. depending on their maturity and all of the circumstances of the case. In other words, whether they've had an impact, um, whether it's possible that someone's influenced them, you know. Right. So mm. so, it's, so it's any age. So any any child could go to a family report? Oh, yes. Well, the court, the, the family report writers don't usually interview like three and four-year-olds, but from about six on okay. they'll talk to them. A six-year-old's views mm. won't be given as much strength uh, because they could be manipulated if one of the parents is doing the wrong thing. You know, the Family Law Act used to have 14 mm. as the age at which the child could express their wishes and we had to follow it, the court had to follow it. Mm. They took that number out, but I do remember one of the judges saying once that we should all perhaps remember that that used to be in there. Mm. And why the court took it out, I think, is that the children, as they came up to 14, were having enormous pressure exerted on them mm. to choose one parent over the other. Yeah. And it wasn't right. No. You know, no. And right. that, so I guess that they were trying to help kids by taking that number out. Yes. How do they determine if a kid's mature enough to, to know what they want to say? Uh, well, mature is usually age, right? Okay. So, yeah. so, but if you've got a, a 12 year old who's, uh, been clearly manipulated. Mm. The the view is that a family report writer with their training mm. will be able to identify that. So they might say that this child expressed a wish to never see this parent again, or mm. um, but um, on exploration he didn't know why he didn't want to see that parent. Right. Um, he just he was just saying it, and it looks like it was. He was coached, something like but that. But they do believe kids most of the time? Um, yeah, they just gently quiz them. And, you know, they watch the children with the parents as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the most telling thing. And if you're doing a family report, be aware you might be being observed even in the waiting room. Yeah. So, Ooh, you know, creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. I've um, never had one done on me, but I think it would be awful. We've done, uh, I think, two episodes on family reports yep. in depth. So okay, if so we can leave that. So if you're interested, go to the show notes and you can um, check those ones out and listen to them later. <laughs> All right, so, okay, so we get to the children's interests, so they consider that what the children want. What their view is. Then they look at their child's relationship with each parent, which is also something that's observed during the family report. Okay. Um, and then the extent to which either parent has taken the opportunity to to join in with making decisions or to spend time with the child. And that means if you've got a parent who's vanished really or just very disinterested for a year or two mm-hmm. and suddenly get a new girlfriend or boyfriend and suddenly they want to spend some time with the child, the court will have a, a look at that history mm. and go, you know, this is pretty fresh. This is, yeah. Is that why you say start as you mean to go on after separation, Absolutely. initial separation? So because you you did say in the webinar, if you want to repeat it about the, mm. the, mistakes yeah, the mistake some people make. Yes, so one of the mistakes I see a lot is that 
um, if you, especially if you're in a domestic violence situation or manipulative and controlling, you may be the one to leave the house mm. and you might think it's better for the children to stay in their home with their own rooms. You'll go, you'll get some money, you'll get yourself sorted and then the kids can come and live with you. Mm. Um, by the time that happens, uh, you may find that it's being said in the court and elsewhere that the children are settled with their husband and that you haven't been spending time with them or trying to spend time with them and they should stay there and you should have like reduced Mm. time with them less than you would otherwise have got. So I think kids don't mind if they're going over and sleeping in your mum's place or or in Bunk's sister's place or whatever, Yeah, uh, as long as it's a safe environment and as long as they're with you for that time. So I do like people to start off right from the beginning, having their time. Okay. And it's often easier to do that right from scratch mm. uh, than to allow yourself to just drift into something and then you can't tie and turn it around. And surely it's better for the kids for them to see you as yeah. well anyway. They don't mind. No, where they're hungry. seeing you. No, they yeah, don't mind. As long they, as you see them. That's right. And they want to know you're okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. kids want to know that you're well mm. and you're okay and you'll be fine moving forward. I feel like um, a lot of people... Maybe because you're in that stage, you, you're freaking out about everything and you mm. do care about your kids, but you, you, you maybe I think people underestimate how much kids notice. But then if you don't, mm. you know, explain, okay, well, we're separating and yes. I'm going to go live somewhere else for a while, you know, they might make a story up in their head. Oh, and that story will be far worse. And it's going to take when they're 40 yeah. a psychologist to unpick it. Yeah. So obviously don't give them the nitty-gritty. No, no. Or daddy cheated or but, mummy, mummy's yeah. gone on a bender. But you need to just be like, okay, and, this and, is what's happening. And I promise you, I mean, the children can handle it. Mm. They can process it and they won't be the only person in their class. Yeah. And yeah. so they can start working on it. But like you said, Laura, I reckon kids make up much worse things in their head mm. and it really worries them. Yeah. So they just need to see that you're okay, dad's okay, and then they get used to their new kind of normal. All right. So can you tell me what else is considered then? Um, people, the court looks at also at whether each of you has paid money to support the children okay. since separation. Right. Uh, so if someone's not paying their child support or... So not paying child support can affect, can affect it. Yep. your outcome in court. Yes. It's quite funny because every time I've gone to court with children's matters and I attach a debt, like a, a child support letter showing how much is owing to the to the child support agency, miraculously that money seems to get paid. The day just before, before court. Yeah. So, Hooray. Yeah, or just before they file their affidavit. Oh, I've paid all my child support. But then you can point out to the judge, well, yes, but my client's been struggling for the last four months Mm. because this money hasn't come through. So perhaps um, that's a good note for anyone Mm. listening who's got a child support debt racking up when they're like, well, I don't think they're ever going to pay it. If you do end up in court, they probably will. (laughs) <laughs> because the lawyer, got will, it, the, lawyer got will, it. the lawyer will tell them to yeah, do it straight and, away. And if they don't, then point that out to the judge. Okay. So, All right, so they look at if people are contributing. Yeah. Um, what if you can't contribute, you've got no money, and you do the ex has to pay for everything? Does that matter? Well, technically um, the court refers to obligations mm-hmm. and the child support agency assesses you if you don't have an income or you have a very low income mm-hmm. i think the amount is something like 20 or 30 dollars a month mm-hmm. um, you'll need to pay that but then that's fulfilled your obligation wow it's whatever you've got to pay no i mean what if you're if you're not the child support payer but oh. you're the one who's receiving child support but you haven't got any they're cashed up you're not 
Mm. And you need to you need to be paying for stuff and they're not paying for stuff. And then you have to ask them to pay because you can't afford to yeah. pay because they're not paying your child support. Yes. Well, that's a bad, bad mark for them. Okay. When you All go right. into because it shows they're not genuine about the kids. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So contributing to the kids' welfare, paying yep. for that kind of stuff shows shows care, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, the practical effect or impact on the kids of changing an arrangement, which is why it's so dangerous for things for you to move out of the house and leave the kids in the house because then they have that that history there in Mm. the house so we used to talk about the status quo like preserving things how they were on an interim basis yeah um until you got to trial and and then this legislation came in 17 years ago and now they don't look so much at that but it could be if you've been the one who's mostly been with the kids and then suddenly it's going to be renting the kids away from you and having majority of time with the other parent or a big chunk of each fortnight with another parent, uh, the court will look at the impact on the kids of that. And it might be their particular vulnerabilities make it harder for them. Okay. Uh, you know, if you've got ASD or whatever. Oh, so, the, so dis- disability and neurodiversity comes into yep, it? Yeah, it does. It, that is the individual needs of the child and how a child reacts to changes. Mm. Mm. Okay. We are going to do an episode on neurodiversity We really are, yes. But we haven't done it just yet, so stay tuned for that. Okay. All right. So changing routines. So Mm -hmm. so the court kind of prefers, it's best interest in the kid to keep routines similar. Have you heard of nesting, Mum, where the the kids stay in the nest and the parents go in and out? So that would stop that drama but what are your thoughts on that? And I've, do you know anyone? Who, do you? I've, you I've come across a couple of people who do it, yeah. who have done it. More often, though, I come across people who started out doing that. Mm. But it means you're putting your life on hold, yeah, uh, really, and uh, and it, the wheels fall off pretty quickly. Okay, yeah. So, so yes, there's people who do that. They say, okay, look, we'll get a unit or another house, and I'll live in the house one week with the kids and then I'll move back to my unit and then you move in and live with the kids the next week. And and then you have complaints about he didn't do any washing. I was just about to think, yeah. oh, you probably end up doing the washing. You do, you end up uh, cleaning. Then, oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. And and realistically, if you want to have a new partner or something, what are you going to do? Say, well, this is where I live this week and you can't come to this place next week because that's the house I own. Otherwise you'll meet my ex-husband. Yes, and don't leave anything in my apartment this week. Because, because he'll, yeah, uh, true, and, true. And uh, honestly, you're like still stuck together with marriage. Mm. It, it was a lovely idea, but I think you'd it have could to be, be very good, special It could to be a good it. temporary idea, like short-term micro plan just for the mm. first week or two say look I can't stand you I have mm. to leave mm. but I'll come back in a couple of days can you then go on a holiday or something and mm. I'll you know you just and, and then what well then what while if, you're sorting it out yes but what if then the person says no you left you're not coming back and I'm not leaving the house oh true so that leaves well you can't spend time with the children as you planned yeah so yeah. that's kind of you've just got, a and, bit risky and that mum it I'm just thinking it from a listener's point of view because we are talking about kids Mm. and you have said a couple of times it's risky to leave the house, but when it comes to 
property and owning the house rights if you leave matter. it doesn't matter is no, that right that's right okay. that's exactly so right. if anyone's listening and like oh i can't leave now mum doesn't mean that she's talking about the children's aspect yep. of it the property aspect you can leaving your house generally and remember this is information yeah ed- legal education, education. Um, if it's in the other person's name you need to talk to a lawyer about whether you need to put a caveat on to protect it mm. in case they sell it mm. um, but yes you do not lose your rights by leaving the house okay and then the other thing they talk about is the impact on the kids for that change of circumstances. You know, say if they normally spend a lot of time with an auntie and a cousin and Mm -hmm. then suddenly the proposal that the other person puts up doesn't allow them to spend time with that cousin Mm. or auntie. Well, the court will look at that and see what might happen to the child psychologically. So all the things work out, Mm. you know, and if there's a a sibling or a half-sibling and that that half-sibling's on an arrangement with another parent, you know, that the court will try and align that. So everything's about the kids. Okay. Everything's about the kids. And then the, the next one is the practical difficulty of the child spending time with both parents. So you know you could find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. We're there waiting for you right now. If you want to get more out of the divorce course, all you have to do is go to the Divorce Course Podcast at Facebook or TikTok or the Divorce Course on Instagram. There we share bite-sized pieces of information and bite-sized inspiration and motivation to help you through this difficult time. Come and join our community and let us know you've joined. We'd love to see you there. And then the the next one is the practical difficulty of the child spending time with both parents. So, for instance, what if you've got a a FIFO relationship where fly in, fly out, uh, dad's home or mum's home only one week out of every two or it's, I don't know, eight days on, four days off or the other way around. It's You have to work all of that around. If the parents live a long way away, Mm -hmm. then the the normal splitting of a week probably isn't going to work and it might have to be holiday time. Yeah. So Okay, so they sit there and think about distance, Mm. work commitments of parents, what ability of parents to to, work. To work and and whether a kid can – And if the parents are far away, how is the child going to get to school and their activities? Is it going to be two different households? Is it really hard from one household to get to school compared to the other one? Right. You know, who's going to hit the heaviest traffic on a Friday afternoon? Okay. All of that. So, so it's it's pretty a broad broad inquiry. Are people uh, should people be worried that if their ex makes most of the money and they don't, that the kids will will be ordered to live with them because it'll be a better life? No. Okay. That's what child support's meant to do. Great. Okay. I'm just putting that one out there in case anyone's worrying about that. All right. So this best interest of the children, that's the determinations. Well, there's more. Oh, there's more. Okay. All right. What else is there? So it goes all the way down to, gosh, M. Okay. M. Right. Okay. Well, why don't we list the main ones and then we'll dive into them a bit. So the capacity of the person, the parent, to provide for the children's intellectual, emotional and uh, social needs. What does that mean? It means if you've got someone who uh, perhaps has issues themselves right, and they can't be a, be available for the child because issues? mental health issues maybe. Okay. Or, Diagnose mental health issues or can you just say they're a narcissist? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> you can describe the behaviours but don't describe the, don't diagnose. Okay. Yeah. All right. Describe behaviours. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. And then the, the maturity and the sex and the lifestyle and the background of each of the parents, you know, if you've 
if you've got a child with a, a cultural heritage that needs to be supported so they grow up knowing who they are. This is all about the child growing up mm. unharmed or as least harmed as possible by mm. the separation. And so there's then, a responsibility in the court to make sure that the child mm. gets to explore and learn their culture. Yeah, particularly okay. if just one parent is yeah. of a culture. Okay, and that's good. So you often, and that's an argument for you to put forward, whether it be Aboriginal culture or yeah. Chinese background Maori, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Maori, yeah. And then the attitude to the responsibilities of parenthood by each parent. So if one parent's been like reckless and, and disinterested right up until they go to court and suddenly they're parent of the year, the court will look at that. That's good to know. Mm. It okay. is good to know. Yes. Yep. Uh, family violence, obviously, mm-hmm. between the parents and the children or the, the child watching the family violence or having to clean up or seeing the mother or father upset afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then the, the family court, the domestic violence order, of course, if it's been a contested hearing and if there's been findings made by the court, that's relevant as well. Okay. Okay. And they can take just some inference and then they really have to look at making an order that's got not going to lead to further proceedings for the court for the kids because the court has worked out over the years that the worst thing for children is this constant litigation. Yeah. And if you think kids don't remember much for probably before they're about 13, mm. uh, thir- uh, sorry, three. Yeah. And then from about 14, 15 on, they're beginning to be grown Their own ups. little humans. Yeah. Yes. And so there's only 10 or 12 years and there have sadly been cases that have been going on and on and on and on, Their whole... constantly re-bringing applications. So that's why the court suddenly relied on Rice and Aspen, which is a very old case in the 1978. But they say, look, best interests of the children are that we don't continue to litigate over these children. So we're going to make an order that should shut this down once and for all. So that's considered by the court. They're making very sure much. that whatever yeah. orders they make are orders that mean that people mm. aren't going to come back. That's right. So if there's question marks over one thing, then they might not make that order. And then I call the last one, every player gets a prize. Oh, okay, Number yay, M, a yeah. prize for everyone. Any other fact or circumstance that oh, so the basically court thinks is relevant. Else. Okay. So you can put things in and the court may take notice of it, even if they don't come into those categories. All right, well, let's get into this putting in. So that's what the court thinks about. Mm-hmm. You might not be even going to court, but it's important to start thinking about these aspects when you're negotiating and what you're thinking about you might be entitled to. Yeah, or what's good for the kids because, yeah, everyone, even in in negotiations, in the back of everyone's mind should be what the court would do if they went to court. That's right. It's no good arguing something that you'll never get in court. Yeah, so if you know roughly or have a vague idea about these the court's thoughts of what the Mm -hmm. best interests of the child are, then you can negotiate, mediate, write letters to your ex yep. and say, look, the court thinks it's important that this or um, what, how do you present it if you do end up in court? Okay, if you do end up in court, you present it in an affidavit, which is the sworn document. Okay. Um, it's just really a, a But how in the affidavit oh, okay. would you write and well, give this right. kind of information? All right. Well, the way I do it, and I've seen QCs do this as well in their drafting, is I actually use the headings in the Family Law Act. So look at Section 60CC mm-hmm. and use those um, each of those categories from A to M, mm-hmm. uh, put them in highlighted at the top uh, as at the heading of the paragraph and then address whichever sections suit you and then do a couple of paragraphs on the incidences or what it is that you want to say okay. about that. 
Okay. Like there hasn't been any child support paid for three months and I've got credit card debt and here's the cards attached. And then he, he just paid the child support or she just paid the child support this week in a lump sum. Okay, or, or locations. Yeah. They, they've moved to, yeah. to a different state. The and kids have the school here. That's right. Or, or why the children uh, shouldn't, uh, why the children need to be mostly with you because school's nearby and you look after their homework and then they should spend, they, they need to spend under the orders, under the Act, uh, what they call substantial time or significant time. Mm-hmm. So it really should be some school day time and some weekend time if it's practical. Right. So you can't be like trying to get just the weekend, every second weekend. For them. For yeah. them. No, I don't think the court will fly. That seems to not be enough for the children. Okay. So I think the message from this episode, if anyone's listening and going, okay, well, yep, the considerations Mm. in my case, yes, 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 go and read the section of the Family Law Act. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, It hasn't changed yet. No. And now let's talk about that. It Mm. is potentially going to change. Yes. So I've kept two sections 60 of the Act. Section 65 talks about an obligation of the court to consider equal shared parental responsibility between parents Mm. and and in considering that, if if they consider that's all right, that what does the, that mean? It means that the parents both continue to make decisions for the kids right. together and yeah. have to communicate co-parenting. Yeah. And if that's considered to be right at the moment then, the court then must consider equal time as a consequence of the equal shared parental responsibility. The legislation is is set to change. There are there's a bill before the house at the moment. The mm. lower it's past the lower house. It's July going into the 20, Senate. It's July 2023. So, yep, it should be through by December 2023 and should start from July 2024 once they've trained the judges and everyone and once we've all learned about it. And it's going to say uh, that the the presumption of equal shared parental responsibility and the presumption of equal shared time mm. um, they're going to take out that presumption and they're just going to make it the best interests of the children and and take away primary and secondary considerations and put all of those things in the same boat so that right. so it so the court then goes back to really what we were doing 20 years ago which the judge takes a fairly holistic view of how the kids are coping and what the children should do for their best interest going forward rather than being, I think, Trying to fit it into it. Well, they're obliged to follow this pathway Mm. um, and if they don't follow it, then they can be appealed. Right. Okay. So. Mm. I'm happy about that. That's okay. All right. I'm really happy about that change. Stay tuned for that and we will, of course, do a podcast episode when that comes out and the new changes. Yep, we'll educate you. But more than anything, I think the main aim of this episode is to bring your awareness to what the court's looking at. Yep, and make sure you don't fall foul of that. Now, there's a big Mm. word that gets bandied around, Mum, and it is called primary carer. People say, I'm the primary carer, so I, you know. So what does the court think about the word primary carer? Well, it used to matter in the uh, previous things, but now now it really doesn't fly. You're better off to say that if you were the person who stayed home with the kids, just say that. Don't give yourself a label. 
um, because people, some people after separation become like parent of the year when they haven't had any interest before Mm. and really they're trying to set themselves up as the primary carer as if that has some weight. But where the only place that has relevance is the change in the child's circumstances if suddenly a different parent was going to be the main one they were with. And the court looks at their relationships with each parent. So it's a it's a much better way of looking at it. You know what it's like? It's like that word unfit parent, unfit mother. Mm. Remember that? Mm. And that's way from the 90s. 90- and, what, and what's that? Does that? Because that gets thrown around a bit I know. too. Well, it's, I think it's from the 1939 Marriage Act, which was repealed by the Family Law Act in 75. I've never seen the term in any case or any part of the Family Law Act. Okay, so it's never I've actually been in it. No, it's an old, old thing. It's just made up yeah, by people that people, don't like mums. Yeah, and the, but it's it's a terrifying um, terrifying word or phrase for people to hear. What they what they have is a lovely one called a good enough parent. Oh, so, wow. So they know we're not brilliant. We're not, you know, none of us well, is perfect. nobody's perfect. No, and when you're going Especially through Especially going through a divorce. Oh, you know. And guess, so uh, if you're good enough, and the kids love you anyway, <laughs> you know. I guess I mm. guess that can cause a lot of problems for people. Um, I know, you know, if, you, if you're worried, oh, I'm going to go to court and my parenting is going to be looked at. Absolutely. And my, my, my personality, my, my everything I do mm-hmm. is going to be scrutinised. But they're more looking at all of those things we've just talked about mm. in the um, children's They're from the children's interest. point of view. Not, yeah. not this mother's so bad. Oh, they had Maccas three times last she week. She shouldn't be allowed yeah. Yeah, to, or, to go anywhere near the kids, yeah, I guess. No. So, and so if, if someone's trying to threaten that to you or they're alluding to it in their letters, et cetera, mm. just, Don't bite. just go back and read the Family Law Act section. And it's not, not and a there's, thing. there's nothing in there that says it. And I never hear the words unfit father. And that tells me that it is really from old legislation and it doesn't, it's not relevant. Okay. The unfit father you don't hear. Unfit mother. No, I've never heard unfit That's father. That's right. And you hear unfit mother and it strikes fear. Yeah. Well, he's going to say I'm an unfit mother. I'm always helping uh, ladies get through that sort of thing where, but because I did this one thing eight years ago or because, you know, when he first left I was such a basket case I didn't get out of bed for a week and a half. The yeah. court understands all that sort of stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. To anyone going through kids' stuff out there, guys, um, it's the worst, isn't it? It's worse than property for people. So it hits very close to home. So just well, it, keep on going. It's it's the worst thing. I think losing a house or losing a percentage of money is nowhere in the same ballpark as mm-hmm. losing to access to your children. I think that's what it comes down to. And it's everyone's, every parent's greatest fear to lose their children. Well, I had a, I went to a seminar at the Hilton in Brisbane here um, and there was a judge who shall remain nameless, not a family court judge, who addressed the crowd and we were family lawyers and estate lawyers. Mm -hmm. And he said, he said something along the lines of property matters in family law are so hard and you need to have regard to partnership law, tax law, and uh, estate law and all of that. He said, anybody can do a children's matter. Oh, He said that. Wow. And I was only quite young, but I bailed him up and I said, Judge, 
Your Honour, I said, Judge. Oh, <laughs> said, you actually backed I went him up. And saw him. I didn't do it in public. Like I did it after. I got him as he stepped down from the podium when everyone was milling around. And I said, I really must take issue with what you said. I think it was about 97, 98. I said, it's much harder to do a children's matter than to do a property matter because it matters more mm. and and you have to do your very best work. It's it's lives. And and you're messing with people's lives and it's not a thing that any lawyer can do. No. So and he was he had the grace to blush. And he said, Oh, I didn't mean that, but I, I mean I'm an advocate for the court to get the head out of their of the clouds, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to say some head out of something else. I very nearly did. Oh, okay. <laughs> but look, I think it's like politicians, I guess, in a way that not in the real world. Yeah. And perhaps maybe sometimes judges aren't either. And it's your job mm. and your lawyer's job to present that real world in an affidavit. Well, we like I, I'm as guilty as anyone else of it because we become immune to it as we talk about it all the time. Mm. And I, it wasn't until you went through your case I realised how devastating it is to a person on a personal level. I'd been through it, but that was many years ago, yeah. and and forty years ago, and I'd forgotten how you it probably felt blacked for it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're all guilty of it, you know. And and I just. I try to advocate for for the ordinary person that's going through it um, whenever I get a chance. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's read this review and yeah. then that lucky person gets to have a free chat with mum, which is fantastic. Oh, good. And this review comes from Sky Doug and mm-hmm. it's called So Great and oh, mum, they nice. gave us five stars. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and she said or he said, fabulous easy to listen to, and practice legal advice that answer separation and divorce questions. Thank you, ladies, for this. I needed it at this time. I have my own solicitor, but these topics aren't always covered between us, so thank you. So yeah. thank you so much, Sky Doug. We are going to wait for your email from, to the divorce course podcast at gmail.com, and you can book your call in with mum. Oh, lovely. Look forward to meeting you. And if you are interested in um, potentially going in the draw to get a uh, chat with mum all you need to do is write us a review on spotify or pot or on apple mm-hmm. and once a month we choose one lucky person so thank you everyone for listening today i know you must be freaking out because it is your children and you want what's best for your children and the court is telling you what is best for your children if you can settle out of mediation uh, through mediation or through negotiation, you don't need to do the whole court thing. But it is always good to know in your head what might happen and what might be said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what the court's looking for. So okay. all the very best, my All dears. the very best, everyone. Go yeah. and have a nice cup of tea. And if you're really stressed, eat some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> or go for a run or a walk. Oh, yeah, maybe go and do some exercise, whatever, Mum. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Bye. Mum, for coming. Bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.